Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now, here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks so much for joining me this week. All righty. So my motivational quote for today is by um, Confucius, and I think everyone knows who that is. And it says, our greatest glory is not falling, but in rising every time we fall. Doesn't it seem that when January of the new year comes around, we look back on the year and we think it was either a really good year or maybe a not so good year. Sometimes we even look back and think, wow, this is one year I'd like to forget. We all have the ebbs and flows of life, and, and sometimes it seems that up and down flow affects our daily, daily perspective. So how do we stay focused and keep moving forward? How do we remain positive when everything around us is absolutely falling apart? And how do we get up each day and fight for that brighter tomorrow? Does any of this sound familiar? Well, my, question, my questions aren't only present when life throws us curveballs like death, sickness in the family, or, or perhaps the loss of a job. How do we rebound, get up, dust ourselves off, and you know the saying, start all over again? Well, my guest today is Jeremy McDonald, and he will share his stories of working in the corporate world and how he has balanced or has influenced his corporate world with his spiritual side, and yes, his spiritual side and how that has inspired his corporate persona. Uh, This unique blend of philosophies presents some amazing ideas to do more than just keep going, but to actually change the course of your life. And today, the title of today's show is Bound for Glory. So please help me welcome uh, this awesome gentleman, uh, Jeremy McDonald. So Jeremy, thank you so much for being on. Oh, thank you, Connie, for having me on. I really, really appreciate the opportunity, and I'm excited about our conversation. Me too. And and I'm excited because I love that you're almost like the male version of me when it comes to we live this like um, like Clark Kent and Superman. We've lived these dual lives, right? We have that whole corporate persona, you know, that we function with the suits and all of that. And then we have the spiritual side that we feel, I think, balances out the, the corporate side and vice versa, that the corporate side can impact our, our spiritual outlook. So when when we were introduced by my by, by our good friend, the angel lady, Karen Tumash, shout out to Karen. When we were introduced, I just loved that you had both aspects as well, um, because I, I just think we, we walk a fine line. So I just, I want to start, I know your first job was as a loan officer actually in Baltimore, and at that time you were working with builders, if, if I remember correctly. So share with everyone what it was like for you as a young man and, and building that career Totally new, totally new to you. You had no network in place at that point. Well, what's interesting, because how that actually started off is I'd I'd actually been in a career for a long, long time, well, about 10 years as a corporate trainer, and, you know, I've talked about that, and then I decided to take a risk. The mortgage industry was booming, and everybody's like, come on over, you know, and I was like, you know, of course I was nervous. I was very nervous, and a friend of mine had left the company I worked for as as a corporate trainer, and... I I was she, she basically called me up and said Jerry you need to come and work for me I want you to come I want you to work as a loan officer for a while and then I want you to come and be be the branch manager of the Philadelphia branch and so what ended up happening is about three weeks later she was the chief operating officer she got fired from being the chief operating officer and I thought to myself okay so I've just moved myself from my job <laughs> my career and moved up here. And I have no income other than commission, and where you know I'm so used to having a salary. Sure. And so I am. Um, and your inside person. I remember the one thing. I, right, the one person that's left now they're gone, and so I thought <laughs> to myself, well, I could either go back for my job back and move all my stuff back, or because I moved from one state to another, or I could just make the best of this. And so I thought to myself, I sat there and I started doing everything that they told me to do, calling leads and all that kind of stuff. And and I thought to myself, this is not me at all. And I'm what I am, and I always tell people, people say, well, are you a good salesperson? I said, I always tell them, no, I'm one heck of a networker. 
I just, I just know how to network. And I, and I know how to talk to people, and I know how to pick up the phone. And, you know, you've, you've even witnessed that in the past week, and, you know, just kind of referring people and talking about things. So I, I thought to myself, wait a second. I'm going to get out, and I'm going to start pounding the streets, and I'm going to make friends. That's all I thought about. And I'm going to make friends in this industry. And so I, I started going out to um, real estate offices, uh, uh, builders, and I just started driving out. If I saw a builder site that had an office, a sales office in it, I just walked in and I, I had the salesperson come and greet me and talk to me and offer me coffee. And uh, I just said I just wanted to kind of look around. And I didn't even bring up that I was a loan officer. I didn't even bring up ever that I was a loan officer. They, probab- right they probably thought that, oh, we have a live one. He might buy. We got a live one. <laughs> So then I would look right – I would talk to her. I said, well, how are things going here? And, um, you know, how are sales? You know, oh, they're doing good, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and I'm like, hey, you know, in Baltimore, it went up 38% last year. And I'd start getting them engaged in mortgage talk. And then uh, I'd, I'd look at them and I'd say, hey, man, and I'd say – and I'd get to know about their kids and their families and all that kind of stuff. I became their friends. And then I'd say, hey, you know what, I'm a loan officer. Just if you ever, if you ever need help with anything, just let me know. No pressure. I just came in here to check out your place and get to know you as a person. And I go to open houses and everything. Well, one day, I had a Pulte Homes um, that I actually called a lead on, um, and she said, could you help me with this? And it's a loan that fell out, and I would really like to – the salesperson was really desperate to get to go through. Well, I worked my butt off, completely worked my butt off on getting that – that loan to go through, and at the end of the day, I couldn't. And I, I kept in contact with the customer, and I kept in contact with everybody you know that involved. And she was so impressed with my customer service skills and my skills of keeping in contacting with her, keeping her updated, communicating that kind of stuff, that she called the regional vice president of uh, Pulte Mortgage and uh, said, "This guy, if you have fallout, it doesn't matter if he gets it done or not. He'll let you know, and he's honest." Wow. And I got, I literally got with Pulte Homes. So then I, that was in Denver, Colorado, and I lived in Baltimore. Uh, so <laughs> then I got a bright idea. It's like, well, this is really working. So, and by this time, and I had, I had gotten a couple loans from Ryan Homes, their the mortgage company. I had some real estate agents referring me business. Uh, and never once did I ever ask them for a loan. I just said, hey, if you ever need any help with anything, here's my card, even if it's just a question. And uh, so, you know, what ended up happening is I'd have people come in and or call me up and say, hey, Jared, do you know what the rates are on this? And I'd, I'd pull it up and I'd look at it. And they'd, just, they'd, they'd hang up the phone and just tell the person, I never got the loan. But what ended up happening is they just felt comfortable to come and talk to me. And so um, what was pretty exciting about this, then eventually what ended up happening is they'd, they'd say, hey, here's my guy. He always takes care of me. And they'd start referring business to me. And all they did is just become their friend. So what I've, I learned is that when I hand out my card, I'm not really handing it out to get business. I'm handing it out to my potential friends um, so they can call me. It just so happens that they send me business. That, and, and you know what's so funny is I've been in sales for 32 years, and I'm giggling because I've never said in – you know, if somebody says, oh, what do you do for a living? I've never said, oh, I'm in sales. <laughs> you know, it was always, yep. oh, you know, what example, when I would sell investments, right, I would sell with, with individuals, right? And that, so I would say, um, when people say, oh, what do you do for a living? I would say, you know what, I, am, I have the best job in the world. I get to meet really cool people, and my job is to help them make good decisions about protecting their financial future. And it's not sales, it's education. So it's Right, that's that to me is sales though. And everything here's what I heard you just say. You made friends, and really, really, it was just an essence of networking. It wasn't going out and say, "Hey, here's my card. Let me tell you what I could do for you, so you could give me a sale." That's not it. You go out, you make friends, you build credibility, you communicate, you give them the best customer service skills, you let them use you as a resource, you prove yourself, and then what happens? Floodgates open business comes in. And I just, Jeremy, I have to share. Um, We met again through Karen, what, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. She kind of connected us via email. You're in Florida. I'm in Jersey, right? Right. 
And as we chatted, we were like, oh, he's cool. Oh, she's cool. And you sent me several people, and you sent me Sarah, who I spoke with today, who's a publicist in Virginia. And she and I chatted today, and she has a whole bunch of authors that wants to, wants to talk. And here's, here's the thing about a small world, but is it a small world, or is this just networking at work and connections at work? She knows the owner of webtalkradio.net, which is the platform for my radio show, and she's good friends with him. And, oh, by the way, the producer, who I'm becoming very good friends with now, she's like, oh, yes, I've talked to her several times. And I hung up the phone, and I said, holy crap, how did that just come full circle? <laughs> you know, from Carrie, my angel lady, to Jeremy in Florida, to this lady in Virginia. And, oh, yes, of course she knows Brad out in Chicago. That's networking. It's, yeah. it's being credible. It's being honest. It's being authentic. And it just works. You know, you can't make this yeah. stuff up. <laughs> you can't make it up. And if, you would, if people would just follow up, talk to people like they're human beings, treat them with respect, with compassion, Absolutely. and understanding, that's the spirituality of it. Here's the funny part about the spirituality. It's just good common sense. You know, Bingo. We treat people yeah. with respect. We love them. We follow up. We want somebody to follow up with us. So I, I'm gonna, I make it a point. Actually, this is funny with my Facebook. If there is when that little thing up there says "Happy Birthday," I say "Happy Birthday" to every single person on there that's on my friends list. Why? Me too. It's not about business. It's not about business. It's about I took the time, even though it tells me their birthday. I took the time just to take a few seconds to say happy birthday. Now, they don't have to know that I do it from my uh, smartphone sitting in a traffic light. They don't have to know that. But <laughs> the point is, is that we took the time to just yes. say hi. And guess what? Yes. What that does is they say thank you. Yes. And then uh, you get to start engaging them in a conversation and getting them, uh, you know, moving and stuff like that. And the universe energy builds momentum. Incidentally, that job, that I was the loan officer at, not only did I have um, a bunch of follow-up business coming from Pulte and Ryan Holmes, uh, on Monday, everybody knows the Monday before Thanksgiving, they sent me um, a bunch of loans and asked me if I could possibly close them before uh, Thanksgiving. Wow. Now, if anybody knows anything about the mortgage industry, they know that's almost impossible. Except they sent me full packages. Wow. And I just happened to have at the time a company that I could do electronic underwriting. So I literally took their full package, credit report, everything. They didn't miss a detail. Um, knew about the closing costs they were giving and everything. I just happened to have a title company that worked really fast. I literally did click the electronic underwriting. It approved them. It gave me my conditions. I just happened to have the conditions in the full package. Wow. I them. They signed off on them. And the next day we were preparing them on Wednesday to, um, I had to get the appraisal switched over in my name, and then I sent that in, and then the title company was closing it on Wednesday. You know, and and my, you know, my mom said, my mom and dad always said when we were kids, you know, you, you have a test and it's hard, you know, it's impossible, and I remember my parents would look at us and say, where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> Make it happen, sure. right? And that's exactly what you just described right. with that story. You know what? If you want it bad and enough, became, if you're yeah, and I became loan officer of the month, and then I eventually became the vice president of the company. So the woman that brought me up there that got fired, I got her job. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you know that's a you know sad to, to do right to, ha- to happen, but it had nothing to do with her and, and your relationship certainly, no. and, and you you earned that. You know, it's it's the bottom line. It's funny on LinkedIn. You know how. Um, it's very easy to endorse people, you know, click, click, click. I think, I think that's nice. So I, I try to do it when, it when it comes up on LinkedIn. I try to endorse people because it's a nice way to let them know you're thinking of them, you, you know, without just saying hi, right? Anytime anyone sends me one of those endorsements, and I know it's click, 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 I always send a thank you. Now, you know what's funny? I can't tell you the number of times I send endorsements out. You know, I would say maybe 10 to 15% of the time, do people turn back and say, hey, thanks for that? It takes nanoseconds. 10 to 15% say thank you. And I'm amazed at that because I think, wow, you know, this is a great networking tool. And you guys are, like, losing that opportunity to just say, hi, 
to someone, you know, through the cyber world. We're missing that opportunity. So I just, I, I love everything you said. I want to, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want you to talk about, um, if you don't mind, like corporate life, that presents its own set of rules and, and etiquette, let's say, okay? What are the top three things that you think you've learned with that, with corporate? And I think you might have answered this, but I'd like you to, you know, succinctly tell us three top things you've learned in corporate that just you bring with you in every aspect of your life. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back and do that. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back with Jeremy McDonald, and we are talking about balancing or, well, not really balancing, but how uh, our corporate persona is actually affected by our spirituality or, or how we, you know, treat other humans, and that our spirituality is actually very much so impacted by our corporate world and how we interact, because that's really where we interact with most of the world, I think, beyond your family. So, Jeremy, share with us, what are, what are the top three things that you think you've learned Again, that you just kind of carry through life. You know, it's interesting that they're they're basic principles. Treat people with respect. Mm -hmm. Communicate. Say what you mean. That falls under communicate. Mm -hmm. And do what you say. You Mm -hmm. do what you say you're going to do. And the third one is learn from your mistakes. And and then I always put in there, I think about this. Are they really mistakes or are they opportunities? Yeah, isn't that the truth? Those those three things, if I'm constantly being good to people, that includes myself, by the way. You know, it includes being good to myself, uh, treating myself with respect and other people with respect. And and if you treat yourself with respect, by the way, it's going to run over and you're automatically just going to do it with other people. It it never fails. Uh, And then the second one, uh, like I said, uh, communicate, you know, speak your truth, you know, talk, you know, uh, let people know what's going on. You, you know, oftentimes we we say these very little words or we over-talk, and, you know, sometimes we, it doesn't take a lot of explanation. I'll give you an example of this. I remember um, I used to have employees that would come up to me, and they'd come in late, and they'd start over-explaining that they were late. Oh, this happened, this happened, this happened, and I thought to myself, I'd stop them. I'd say, listen, why relate? Well, the kids, you know, the bu- and, and I'd, say, you know, I'd say, well, don't just tell me what happened. Oh, I, you know, my son woke up late and he missed the bus and I had to take him to school. I said, okay, so you were late because you had to take your son to school. That's cool. You know, try to, you know, try to get, you know, make sure your son gets to the bus on time the next time. <laughs> so, I mean, what was really kind of funny about this is they have, there, there's a guilt going on inside of them. Mm-hmm. And, and I used to, I used the same thing, and so they have to over-explain. You know, any reasonable person is going to be okay with the fact that their son has to go to school, and and sometimes kids wake up late or something happens. You know, any reasonable person, boss is going to be like, okay, whatever. And so what happens though is we communicate from the sense of either lacking or we're a fear and we don't want to tell everything, or we're over-explaining out of guilt or whatever or, uh, you know, expecting our boss to act a certain way. We're doing it on the past, so we're not communicating correctly. And then the third thing um, is uh, – um, I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, the third thing is uh, – <laughs> To learn from – but the third Sorry, one that you mentioned that before, <laughs> learn, that's okay. I, please. This, um, I think oh, I'm learn, older than you. Learn from your mistakes. Yeah, learn from the mistakes. That was the third one, yeah. I got yeah, learn back. from your Don't mistakes. You worry. 
<laughs> so maybe my learned lay lessons write it down as I'm saying it. <laughs> um, Notes are a beautiful I'll thing. Learn from your mistakes or use it as a growth opportunity. And, and honestly, I would challenge everybody every single day when you get home, sit down and spend five minutes. I know everybody has kids and we have everything else going on and we have baseball games and recitals and bills we got to pay and all that kind of stuff. But take five minutes just to ponder your day. Yeah. Ponder it. Think about, you know, how you talk to people, how you, you know, spoke to people. I had one job where I was a, a wholesaler for an insurance company and I helped um, them salespeople structure deals and all that kind of stuff. And there was one particular salesperson that got under my skin and I was being <laughs> obstinate with him just because he got under my skin and in my mind I thought he was being a jerk. And when I went home that night and I pondered it and I thought to myself, why couldn't you just let that go? It doesn't matter if he was being a jerk or not. Why couldn't you have just let that go? And so when I really thought about the fact that me being obstinate escalated the issue, the next day I picked up the phone and I apologized to him. And, you know, he didn't necessarily accept the apology, but I have to ask and challenge everybody. Was I apologizing for him or was I apologizing for myself? Mm-hmm. And so that we want to really think about that because if you have enough courage to say, I made a mistake and it doesn't matter what I think you did. If you have enough courage to do that and say, I went over the top here. Listen, I made a mistake. I'm, I'm going from it. You can, this is the spiritual aspect of it. You can be an example of how we can be. Not yeah. Not of anybody. Yeah, owning it. I, I think you have to own when you're off or when you don't behave, you know, to your best, that you, whatever your best is, right? And and I think that's dangerous. It, it's funny, a couple of things that you said, the self-assessing, um, every, after every day, whether it's a meeting that I'm at, after a conference call, if I was teaching a class that day, whatever, sales, coaching, whatever it might be, whatever the topic is, when I get in the car to drive home, that first 10 minutes, I just think about what went really well today because you certainly want to duplicate that, right? You want a good behavior. Let's keep that going. And what could you have done better that maybe you missed the boat or you spent too much time on that topic? And, you know, did you relate to everyone? And did everybody walk out gaining something today for themselves, right, beyond the objective of what the, what the topic was, you know, et cetera? And I self-assess, and I truly believe that when you take the time, five, ten minutes, you're exactly right, to do that self-assessment, you get better and better and better at what you're doing because you keep owning your your own behavior and and you're challenging yourself and you're calling yourself when when you did something maybe not so great that day and it was funny I, I was teaching a class yesterday um, internal business development for one of my clients and I was asking them uh, if you approach a business you know how would you ask a question about what their business objective is and they and I I thought I clearly said what question would you ask to uncover you know, what's going on in their business, right? You have to understand before you can make recommendations. And they all started giving me statements. So finally, after the fourth one, I was getting frustrated. I could feel myself because I'm thinking, why aren't they giving me questions? They're giving me statements. So I said, okay, either you're not hearing me or I said, I'm going to own this. I am not clearly communicating what I want you to do with this exercise. So I'm going to own that. So tell me what you heard me say. I was getting frustrated and they all looked at me and they giggled and they go, yeah, we don't really know what you want us to do. Shame on me. Right. Had I kept <laughs> going, but, but see, I did. And, and that's owning, I, I messed up. And I said to them, I apologize to you because here I'm getting frustrated, frustrated. How dare I, you didn't understand what I was looking for. So whose fault is that? And they all looked at me and they were like, no, it's really okay. <laughs> It was absolutely adorable how they became protective of me, but it was my error. I didn't communicate clearly. So you have to own it. You have to self-assess. I agree with that 100%. And, yes, it takes five minutes that you don't even have to wait till you get home because, you know what, my, my office is in my home as well. I have a home office. But we go out to meetings and clients and stuff. 
you have five minutes to self-assess how your day went or what, like you said, to go back and said, I really should apologize. I could have handled that differently. That's what makes the world a more beautiful place. And I think a, a kinder place, that's where I want to live, right? Absolutely. Yeah, isn't Absolutely. it, God, what can, is, can isn't I it God these, point? What? I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask, because I was going to add another point of less. <laughs> Say that again, Jeremy. I didn't hear you. What, what was the point? Oh, okay. I was just saying I was going to add another a point on the lessons. Yeah, go um, ahead. Um, don't be afraid to take a risk. You know, with this, you know, I left, obviously, my career and went <laughs> yes. into another job that I was unsure of. But it ended up being all the lessons that came from it, even if I wouldn't have been necessarily successful, I still took that risk. And so I was still successful. And I learned from it. I grew from it. Um, you know, so, you know, and the other thing I've realized is that complacency doesn't allow your uh, world to be joyful. It only allows you to be bored. And very, so very if you, true. If you allow yourself to stretch a little bit, and go into some uncomfortable areas, I can guarantee your life is going to be pretty exciting. Sometimes you're going to be like, what? <laughs> it, yeah, but. it's true. And and I, I, that's actually, I love what you just said because there's long-term impacts and benefits to us deeply by taking those leaps of faith. And sometimes Fear holds us back from, tape, like you said, make, taking that job, transitioning. But what you learned through those builders and network, you learned networking, right? Because all of a sudden you didn't have that paycheck. How am I going to make this happen? You applied logic to the situation and kindness, and look what happened. You you were kicking butt, yep. man. That's a good thing. I was kicking butt. <laughs> you were kicking some butt out there. And and those leaps of faith, I really do think that, that impact our lives so, just so greatly. I remember, and I tell this story, and, and I always share with, I don't know why my husband stays married to me, but uh, 15 years ago when the, the bank had, that had purchased the bank I was working at, and I did not want to work for them. And I am a firm believer also take control of your own life. You can turn around and say, oh, the bank bought us. I hated it. What are you going to do? I had a mortgage. I had to stay there. No, you have a choice to stay there, a choice to make something else happen. So I remember coming home when we found out who bought us, and I won't say any names because I don't want to insult anyone. Um, so I came home and I said to my husband, yeah, this bank bought us. You know, I, I want to work for them. I just don't like their philosophy. They're not customer service focused. I'm all about customer service. So I, you know, for 10 years, I've wanted to open my own business. I want, I'm really good at teaching people how to sell and communicate. Blah, blah. So I'm, I give my, my husband the whole business plan, which of course I had written because I'm an anal freak. And this was my husband's reaction. He's as calm as calm could be. He said, all right, because so what do you think? You're going to get a package? I go, yeah, I think I'll get over your package. I was a senior vice president at the time. I had been with the bank 13, 13 years. I said, I think I'm going to get a week for every year. So I've got 13, a month for every year. I have 13 months. And he's like, all right, open the business. So he goes, and, and this was it. So, so you shall have a business, like Joe teasing me. And I tell people that, and they go, really? I go, yeah, we had two kids and a mortgage. Like, what was I thinking? Leap of faith. I knew in my gut it was the right thing to do. I had been on commission most of my life, and I thought, what's the worst that happened? I have all these good skills. If nobody wants to hire me, I'll go get another job. What's the big deal? But I got to take this leap of faith. And it was the best thing I ever did. Just, you know, knock on, I knock on wood every time I say that, Jeremy, because I want people to keep hiring me. <laughs> you know, I did that leap a few years ago again. I left. You left corporate America? What was that? Did you leave corporate America again a few years ago? Is that what you did? Yeah, I left a few years ago. I was in another job, and uh, I wrote a book, and uh, I thought to myself, and my instantly my mother had just passed away a few months ago, a few months prior to that, and oh, I thought to terrible. myself, I can't work here. And I thought to myself, so I just, I said, I'm going to go on a book tour. So I booked a book tour, and uh, I traveled around to 22 states and uh, sold a lot of books and taught a lot of workshops. But most importantly, 
I got to do everything that my mother and I had a dream my entire life to go traveling, just pack up a car and travel across the country. That is so awesome. I did. I went to every place we wanted to go to and just happened to the books along the way. Is, that is awesome. See, and that's the thing. You know, people say, well, you know, what did you know about open a business? You know, I ask you, what did you know about booking a book tour? It's not, that's not something people do every day. You know, <laughs> how did you know what to do? Well, it's funny. I, I didn't know anything about it. And I started using the same principles, networking, talking yeah. to people. And I learned. Yeah. And uh, yeah. then about halfway through the tour, I realized I had a publicist that would have probably helped me. But, um, I didn't ask her, <laughs> and she actually did help me. Actually, when I when I called her up and asked her, but all the heartache of putting it together, and I could have just said, "Hey, could you help me or teach me and whatever," and she would have put sure, dear. Now, why didn't you? It's why so, didn't you ask her? Did you not think of it, or you didn't? Well, because in my mind, I thought a publicist just books you on radio shows and gets you on all this kind of stuff, and um, no, she they help you with all your PR work, and. She has, and because of who my publicist is, she has a, a huge network of stores and spiritual centers and places I could do book signings and everything else. And so um, it was perfect in a sense because, I mean, I'll tell you, Justin, my best friend, and I got on the road and we posted everything all over social media. And people were actually emailing me and saying, are you going to come to this town? Um, <laughs> and they were booking us like workshops in their living room. And we were doing videos online, and people were watching us. And when we got done, I mean, the folder with the pictures had like well over a hundred thousand people had seen it. Oh and my goodness! So it was. Um, so we were posting pictures, and we were also going to the Smithsonian and Washington D.C. We were stopping and seeing stuff, and everybody was following our tour. And then people were literally booking us workshops in their living room, so I could do book signings in their living room with their friends. Isn't that amazing? See, so, networking, I mean, and, and here's the thing, too, the, the power of the Internet, right, that we truly can connect with, you know, a million people with one click, you know, more. Yeah. Cool story. You, you are full of many cool stories, my friend. I want to just pause one more time here, and I want to ask the listeners, Jeremy, if what we're talking about, are you going, yeah, that's happened to me. Yeah, I had an opportunity. I was kind of scared. I didn't pull the trigger. I didn't do it. You didn't take the leap of faith. I really hope that um, Jeremy and I in our conversation today is perhaps inspiring you to change in some way, whatever that change is for you or whatever that leap of faith or whatever that self-assessment that you, you haven't been willing to do to look introspectively to say, how can I become better? And, and what Jer Jeremy said before about challenging your comfort zone, because that's really where the growth happens. I think that's so important. So you guys reach back out to me, share your personal stories of change, lack of change, fear of change, whatever it might be, or your leaps of faith that Jerry and I are, are sharing our personal stories. I'd love to hear your stories. So please email me at Connie, C-O-N-N-I-E, at Whitman Associates. Dot com and that's W-H-I-T-M-A-N-A-S-S-O-C.com. Of course, you can go to my website and find all my links, Facebook, LinkedIn, everything, at www.WhitmanAssociatesSameSpelling.com. Also, Jeremy, I know you like to hear stories and stuff like that, so I'm going to give your email, email address or website. Which, which do you prefer? Well, my email address is fine. You can get the website as well. I mean, they can contact me in either one. So later on, and, and I always say this at the end, I'm going to give your website on the Web Talk Radio, so they'll click on that link, and it'll take them right to your – there's like a backlink, and they'll take you right to your website as well. So I'll provide that on the uh, platform. But if you want to uh, connect with, with uh, Jeremy and, and ask questions, share stories, his email is jmcd. O N A L D, so J McDonald, nineteen seventy four. Is that when you were born? <laughs> Is no, that when you were born, born. Jeremy? <laughs> Is it nineteen seventy four? You're a baby. Yep. At at gmail dot com. So J M J McDonald nineteen seventy four at gmail dot com. Um so yeah, share your stories, guys. We love to hear from you. All right, so next 
next question for you. There's so much in the media about mindfulness, being present. These are the big words, the buzzwords now. So what does a keyword like mindfulness mean, and how do you think we need to use it for kind of discerning and, and just processing everything every day and, and, and for that implementation every day? I mean, there's a lot of definitions of mindfulness, but this is, this is the one uh, that works for me is that it is taking the time to practice discernment with your thoughts, mm. um, if that makes any sense. So I'll give you an example. So um, all day long you make a bunch of decisions, maybe hundreds of thousands or you know, a lot of them. So you're making decisions what clothes to put on, what coffee you're going to drink, you know, if I'm going to put creamer in it, uh, am I going to go left or right to work, am I going to go down this road, am I going to, you know, you also have to make these choices. You choose to react. Um, you choose to get upset or sad or happy or joyful. So in mindfulness, you become the center of all of your decisions, and and you don't become drug into the decisions or become a, um, a victim to your circumstances or decisions. You become a person that is an observer of everything that's around you. And so how you do that is you practice exactly what we were talking about earlier. Five minutes each day, you process your day, and you spend and you ponder, how could I have done this? You hold yourself accountable. Um, you you grow from it, you learn from it, and what ends up happening is that when you stop becoming a um, uh, a person that's involved in uh, reactions or circumstances in life, and you become the observer, then the world actually kind of, in some ways, I don't know if it makes any sense, it starts to slow down in a sense, and and so then you start seeing people for where they're at. So if somebody's screaming at you and yelling at you or if you're dealing with a customer or a client and they're calling you every name in the book, you automatically know right then that has nothing to do with you. Absolutely. It has everything to do with them. It has everything to do with how they're feeling at the moment. And I can guarantee you, because my current corporate job is I'm an analyst for the L'Oreal Corporation, and um, my uh, territory is New Jersey, believe it or not. And and so um, – I deal with people from New Jersey all day long, and I think they're the greatest people in the world. Now, I found go Jersey. Wait, really I gotta upset. say, go Jersey. <laughs> <I'm being laughs> they can get upset with us. They can get upset with me, and they can fly off the handle with me. Almost every single one of them, ninety-nine point nine percent of the time, because I'm calm, I don't react, I don't engage in, uh, you know, trying to be right. I mm. don't uh, throw it back at them. I don't try to prove them wrong. I don't do any of that. I just listen. I understand. I, I give them good service. I try the hard, my hardest to tell them about the numbers that I'm seeing and all that kind of stuff. They call me back. They say, I'm sorry. That wasn't about mm-hmm. you. And a lot of them mm-hmm. say, I'm a Jersey girl. You have to forgive me. Or I'm a Jersey mm-hmm. boy. You have to forgive me and I laugh and we just carry on. That's and right. so, um, and it doesn't matter where they're from, to be honest with you. I'm just making a joke about that because you're from New Jersey and I'm living, you know, and, and I, that just happens to be my territory. But I'm friends with these people because I've built a relationship with them. And so the mindfulness comes. Most people, when somebody's screaming at them, they either want to back away or they want to start using passive-aggressive tactics to try to control the situation. If you would just shut up, Mm-hmm. Yes, I did say shut up. Yes, Get of course. still and quiet inside and just see it for what it is. It's a person that's upset at the circumstances. They're not upset with you. And that's practicing mindfulness. And, but the thing is, is how the mindfulness comes in is as you're reacting, because some of you are still reacting, and yes, guess what? I still react to things. Um, I take that process to become self-aware. So basically, I, in my mind, as my, my, my inner voice or my inner dialogue is saying to, to myself, I can't believe he just called me that name. What a jerk. And it's all doing that kind of stuff. I can say with my mindfulness, I can say, remember, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Just be quiet. Just listen. And give this man compassion. You know, 
there was a guy about 2,000 years ago, he said uh, something, forgive them, Father, so they know not what they do. That's right. And uh, I'm sure everybody knows who I'm talking about. Absolutely. Um, and so and there's an important lesson in there, and it can be used in business as well. They beat him and put him and, and tortured him and left him for death. And he was still able to say, forgive them, for they know not what they can do. So because yeah. he knew something that they did not know, it wasn't about him. Even though they tried to really hard to make it about him. Yeah, yeah, and it was about their own insecurities. and and But that's the truth today, too. And it's funny that you say that when I see people the other day, I was driving, and, and I, I cut someone off. It was innocent. I didn't think they were as close as they were to me. I was making the left. They were coming straight. It just my fault, totally my fault. And so I, I put my hands up like, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm owning this. I messed up. The guy was on my tail, giving me the finger. I could see him screaming at me. And I, I just, I, I sat there, I just drove calmly, and I thought, he's not going to hit me. He's just angry. Send him love, just keep sending him love. And then eventually he just turned off. But I certainly could have reacted to that, pulled over and said, you want to make something of it? Because, you know, I'm a tough chick in New Jersey here. <laughs> what's the point? Just what's the point? And it was my fault. So you know what? You send love. And people yell at you. And I always say this when, um, when, I'm, when I'm teaching and they say, oh, you don't know, our customers are crazy, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah, yeah we're dealing with Looney Tunes out there. I get it. We're dealing with people who are under tremendous stress, I think, in this country. I'll, I don't know other countries, so I'll talk about the United States. But I think we're all stressed out financially. Um, you know, just so much is going on in the media, blah, blah, blah. I think we're so stressed out that people oftentimes react from their stressors that you just happen to be at the wrong place at the wrong time, so now they're screaming at you, and you're exactly right. Shut up. Let them scream. Listening. People just want to be heard, and if you let them be heard, you see their volume and their whole pattern of speech just slows down and calms down. You really can control it. And, and this is the other thing I always say. Before they came into your branch, into your company, or, or got you on the phone call, whatever the venue is, maybe they just ran over their cat pulling out of the driveway. Maybe they just got bad news that someone in the family, you know, was just diagnosed with some kind of, of rare disease. You don't know what happened the five minutes, ten minutes, a half hour before they interacted with you. Show compassion. And, and I don't know, Jeremy, why, why is it so hard for people to feel compassion? I mean, I don't know if we have an answer to that. That might be more of a rhetorical question, right? Well, I, I kind of... I kind of do see that. It's because they don't have enough compassion for themselves. Yeah. And, yeah. And could be stressed, and right? So Angry at themselves. Have, they don't like who they are. Yeah. Well, incidentally, I, that whole story I told you about, eventually we know what happened to the mortgage industry. I lost it. It crashed. And as a result, all that stuff I built up, I lost. I lost my, sure. family, or else my home, my car, my title, my job, my office you know, um, everything. And I had to move at 32 back in with my mother. Wasn't happy, trust me. And, uh, um, <laughs> she the, was, I'm sure. The, the, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, pain that from also losing my relationship just was overwhelming. And so I was very fortunate uh, having, a, um, I mean, I already knew all this stuff myself, but I had a friend that was very strong, as far as, you know, telling the truth to somebody with a lot of love and compassion. Sure. And she finally started to say, she, she was very strong in saying, basically time to stop feeling sorry for yourself. It's time for you to start looking at the, the things that are going on in your life. And I was on to blame everybody at that point in time because when you're sure. in pain, you want to blame everybody except for yourself. And even though I mm -hmm. taught this stuff, <clears throat> and so she – um. She said, and I would tell her about all the things I did wrong, and she'd say, well, Jer, those were opportunities, and you already know that. Mm -hmm. So where it is that you're going to grow? So all these things that I was teaching other people, she had to remind me. And yeah. so then what, but what happened, those things make you even stronger in um, what you already know. So what ended up happening is then one day she even said to me, because I would always 
somebody I was dating or I was, you know, seeing it, I always refer to them as honey, baby, darling, um, sweetie or whatever. <laughs> and she said to me, she said, why don't you actually use those words on yourself inside? I want you to start creating your inner dialogue because how we give love to other people is how we want to receive love. And so what I started doing is I would start referring to myself and that inner dialogue, I'd start saying, all right, sweetie, let's get this done. And, and, and it throws people off because that, when I say the story, uh, <laughs> the truth is that if you want that kind of, if you want compassion, you have to give compassion to yourself. And guess what? That, that whole phrase uh, that says like, the, uh, the cup runneth over, what yeah. it means is that when you're overflowing with love, it automatically, and compassion, it automatically flows out of you to other people. You won't be able to help yourself from being compassionate. It's just going to be a part of who you are. Yeah. And so, and I can guarantee you all those times where people that work with customers and all that kind of stuff, it is very rare because I work with people all day long. It is very rare that I have somebody go off on me, that I have people uh, get really angry with me. That's in my yeah. business or in my corporate job. I have two. I have a, I have a spiritual uh, practice that I work in and I also have a corporate job. Very rarely and do I ever have somebody get upset with me. The reason being is because of who I am. You show kindness. Because yeah, because you show kindness all the time. Right, and I show it to myself. I show it to mm-hmm. them. Um, sure. I, uh, I treat everybody with, with respect. Even mm-hmm. when they're screaming at me and they're yelling at me, I treat them with respect. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's funny. It, it's funny. Are, the... the um, uh, compassion that you show yourself, right? You knew that, but you're, you had a friend who was able to kind of slap you in the face, like, wake up, wake up. You know what you're, you know, you know what to do here. And when you're in the throes of despair, um, you know, I've been treated unjustly, the world sucks, whatever it is, right? You, you do, you lose sight of the path. And thank goodness you had a friend to do that. And I, you know, I, sometimes I think that's the point of the show when people are like, God, I got nothing left. You know what? Hopefully they listen to the show, hear a conversation like you and I are, are having and saying, yeah, I do know to do that. Why haven't I? I lost sight of that. Because when you're too close to the despair or the, whatever the, the chaos in, in, in your life is going on, you, you lose sight. It's easier, it's easier to help someone else than it is to help yourself. Um, I want to take one more break, and then we have about 14 minutes, uh, Jeremy. When we come back, I want to talk about momentum and how that really helps us get to our goals, and then just some some maybe tips that we can share, that you could share, so that literally people could go into work or wake up tomorrow or before they go to bed tonight, you know, before they go to bed in the evening. What can they put in place to really build momentum in their life to reach their goals or whatever it is that they're seeking, right? Whatever their definition of success is and all of that. So one more quick break and then we'll chat that last um, piece when we come back. Okay. It's a shame when you're feeling stuck in your business and you feel like you have nowhere to turn. It's a shame when you slog through long days in your business and you don't get any return. It's a shame when you feel like you can't see the forest for the trees and your business brings you to your knees. Einstein said repeating the same actions over and over won't produce different results. So stop feeling ashamed. Your business and you deserve better. Change that shame into righteous fame. Connie Whitman can tame that shame. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates will help you to discover your new path, and nothing will ever be the same. Connie's tried and true one-on-one coaching sessions will tame that shame so you and your business will not continue in vain. Call Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates today at 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Call Connie. Turn that shame into your game. Okay, we are back. We have about 13 more minutes with my good friend Jeremy McDonald, and we are talking about how our corporate life definitely impacts our spiritual or inner kindness for self and others, and vice versa, how that can impact greatly how successful we are in the corporate world. So I I always say uh, 
again, when I'm teaching or coaching or whatever it is, you know, movement, movement is good. Even if it's not the right movement, it's easier to shift from left to right, go straight, turn around, whatever it is. Once you're in motion to go from a static to mo- movement is harder to do, right? So movement builds momentum. And that I think kind of propels us towards the goals. You know, what, what do you think um, movement what, what is movement to you? That's what it means to me. What does it mean to you? It's, a, it's basically the same thing. I, 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 maybe I can even give a couple stories here. Actually, I do want to give a couple stories. One is I just shared with you that that one that place where I I built everything up. Obviously, when I first started doing that, and I started networking, that built forward momentum. So one thing led to another, and it was in, in every obviously built up, and I got promoted and all that kind of stuff. But the, the lead into the next part of the story is that obviously I just said that I'd lost everything at one point, and I was in a severe depression. So that, and because I want to, this is important because a lot of people out there listening are in a depression or they're they're not sure what they want to do, or there's a part of them that just feels like there's not something something missing. Well, for me, I was so depressed that I couldn't get out of bed. Wow. And so I just would literally push myself up, and I'd fall back in the bed. Wow. And, and so uh, one day I thought to myself, if I could just get up and move myself from the bed to the living room, that would be something. And then if I could get myself to move from the living room and take a shower, because I, I was going days without showers, uh, then that would be something. And so then I would just, I would have to walk myself through this, by the way. And uh, and so eventually I started, you know, applying for jobs. And I remember I got a job that was way drastically, I mean, severely less than what I was used to making. Like this is the salary that I made when I was 19 years old. And, uh, and so, but I took the job. And the reason why I took the job, because something in me said, if I sit here and feel sorry for myself, nothing will happen. That if I go out and do something, something will happen. Well, what ended up happening was uh, um, I took that job and that gave me enough courage because my self-esteem had gone from really, really high to really, really low. So it was mm-hmm. like I not only, had, not only had to build myself back up professionally, but I had to build myself back self-esteem-wise. And so in each thing I would do, and I would uh, took that job, and then I started looking for a better job. And then, uh, I, then I started, uh, you know, selling, you know, going out and promoting my business. And then um, I started doing things like uh, um, I, did, I started doing this event called Take Power, Speak Out. And it basically, it was a, it was a movement for all the kids that were um, uh, bullied in school, and I wanted to give them a venue to talk about uh, times that they were bullied. And that led me on to a radio show to, to advertise it. And as a result of that, um, I was uh, given a contact to a woman that owned a radio station called V109, and that started uh, uh, Soul Talk, which is my radio show. And as a result of my radio show, I met my publicist. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what ended up happening is I went from severe depression, and because every day I chose to get up and do something, it changed my life. So what ended up happening is the momentum just kept on building and more opportunities came because my awareness was open, more open to see it. And so for those of you out there that want to do something, like here's another example, losing weight. There's a lot of people out there that want to lose weight, you know, and they want to jump in cold turkey and, and uh, diet or whatever. Right? So when I thought, what if you just changed one habit at a time? You know, and so that would create forward momentum, right? So, like, let's say you go to McDonald's every day or Wendy's every day because you're on, you're in a hurry or whatever, and maybe you do like three meals a day. What if you cut that down to two? Mm-hmm. And you, you know, grabbed a banana instead of grabbing the getting the, the biscuit in the morning. And this is a true story because this is what I did actually. <laughs> so really, um, and so and so and, and one of the patterns I started changing my habits. And and so now, um, this is going to be funny because I know they have these up there. As I, I stop at Wawa and I get a banana and I get yogurt and uh, I get a salad for lunch. And um, and I do get my cup of coffee because I like Wawa coffee. But a banana, yogurt, and a salad is a heck of a lot better than pizza, um, egg McMuffin, 
and soda. You know what That's I mean? Right. And so, and then I, and so that's simple, and incidentally, it's substantially cheaper. This wall was fairly inexpensive as far as that kind of stuff. Now, I could change it up and actually buy it and pack my lunch and all that kind of stuff. I haven't gotten to that step yet. What I'm getting at is that what happens with formal momentum is that if we take one step at a time, Martin Luther King said this very important. He said, you don't need to know uh, the whole staircase. You just need to know the first stair, uh, step in faith. And so if you take a, one step at a time, then more is revealed to you as you're doing it. So what then you learn and you get to know things, you, you know, more opportunities come up, more lessons come up, and then your consciousness or your awareness opens up into greater possibilities. In quantum physics, they call that um, you move from the, the one possibility into the realm of infinite possibilities. Absolutely. Movement. Um, Movement is a beautiful so thing. You know what else? You know what else? Too, Jeremy. I don't. I don't think people do this enough either. Like you said, one one foot in front of the other. In essence, right? How many cliches are there? You, you know, a mile starts with one step. All, all those little sayings, right? The yep. we don't reward ourselves and pat. And when I say reward, I don't mean with with candy or a piece of cake or something like that. I mean a reward of patting yourself on the back and saying, "I made it from the bed to the living room." I can do this. That was great. I'm proud of you. Okay, tomorrow we're going to go from the living room to the shower. Great job. I'm proud of you. You're doing this. And, you know, like you said, stop going to McDonald's every morning and grabbing a banana every day. I had a gentleman in class yesterday who who I like very much. He's a 28-year-old young man, highly intelligent. His name is um, Ibram. And um, we were talking about health and and making good decisions and, you know, all of this. And he said, oh, he goes, less than a year ago, he says, my cup of coffee really was, I had a little coffee with my sugar and cream, you know. And he says, and then I just started weaning off the sugar, weaning off the sugar. And he says, now I just, I no more cream. I use a little bit of milk in my coffee. And he says, I just don't like drinking it black, but no more sugar. So he said, you know, you do a little bit, a little bit, a little bit at the time, and then you don't miss it. Your taste buds change, whatever it is. And that's true with, with diet too. Your taste buds actually change as you change those little, little events or those little um, habits that are forming. And I just want to comment one more thing with opportunity. Uh, we're in the throes of the um, NHL, right? We're, we're, there's playoff games going and then eventually the Stanley Cup. And the Rangers are playing, I think it's the Capitals right now. And after one of the games in the back where the uh, gentleman goes on the ice and interviews the, the player, he was, I think he was um, interviewing Stamos, it was the gentleman's name. And there was a player in uh, the um, – uh, not a player, a person uh, uh, in the back against the, the glass, and he's making all these ridiculous faces, et cetera. So my son, my 15-year-old, says to my husband, Dad, rewind that. I want to videotape that. He videotapes the, the, um, you know, the fan acting like a goofball. It was very silly. And he sends it, he tweets it to very well-known um, a commentator, right? And he says, you know, um, cool vid or something like that. The, the famous commentator responds back to my 15-year-old kid, right? And my son says, well, you retweet it. The guy does. He's got like, I don't know, whatever, 50,000, 100,000 followers or whatever. The dude retweets it. So now the next day in school, what do you think? Everybody that's following my son or they tweet whatever they do, these kids do. I'm like, oh, man, James, you were lucky. So dinner the next night, my husband said, was it luck, James, or did you create your own luck? Did you create the opportunity for that guy to respond back to you and do the retweet? So don't we create our own opportunity just by movement, right? Is it silly, stupid, stupid story, but that was a lesson that we tried to teach my son. It, it wasn't luck, man. You made your luck. You can make your luck. Yeah. It's a leap of Put, faith. He took a leap so, of faith. It, he took a leap of faith. Bothered. Yeah. Most people wouldn't even have bothered because they thought, oh, he, he's not going to pay attention. He's too famous. You know, he's whatever. I've built my entire radio show on emailing famous people because I've realized that most people think that somebody's working their Facebooks and stuff like that. I can guarantee you that Lady Gaga checks her Facebook. 
you know, and so, and I just threw out her name because it's the first thing that popped into my head. But my point is, is that um, I've a lot of, in the spiritual genre, I've emailed most of them on their Facebook and most of them emailed me back. I've had some of them say no. Say no, yeah. you know, right now I can't. Um, yeah. I've had some people say I don't do web radio. And that's okay, too. You have to be okay with somebody rejecting you. There's nothing wrong Absolutely. with being rejected. They're being honest. Yeah, and, but it's not personal and, either. So, it doesn't fit into their business model or how they want to market themselves, right? It's not personal. Right. And But here's the thing. How nice that they respond and say, you know what, that's not my venue. No, thank you. You know, thanks for trying, but no thanks. I, I, I commend them for even responding. They could have just put you on ignore. Right. So and that's kind of cool. Ignore me too. Yeah, well, but that, I have yeah, one. Sure. I have one in particular. <laughs> I've tried a few times to get on my show. I've emailed him. He, this particular uh, person, ignore ignores me. Um, I don't know if they ignore me. They're probably just really busy and haven't seen. That's a, that's an assumption. Um, and so uh, there's a holding myself accountable because we will make a lot of assumptions sometimes. True. Um, that's and, true. Uh, he, you know, and so it, it is what it is, and you just have to be okay and you have to move on. Yeah, and, that's uh, right. You have to own, uh, you have own it, man. You gotta own. You gotta own yeah. everything that goes on in your life, and you can't say the woes me. It happens to me. Yeah, crap happens. You know what? Crap happens to everybody. Yeah. You're not that special. That crap only happens to you. Right? It doesn't work that way statistically. That's not sound logic, right? And, Last minute we have. And guess what? what would even be, the people. What? what? I was gonna say even the people that teach this stuff. They're learning it as well. Just so you they're know. Learning. Oh, yeah. I've, I've interviewed a lot of people, and they're learning. But oftentimes we look at them and go, oh, wow. Now they're learning just like we are. Absolutely. Is there anyone perfect? I tell my kids, I'm about as close as you're ever going to get. And they do tease me. They go, oh, that's right. You're the perfect one. I go, don't forget it. <laughs> None of us are perfect. We're all, man, we're trying to do the best we can with what we have and what we know, right? That's really the bottom line. Last seconds of the show, what tips would you give for folks? And I love your story um, about your depression, so thank you for being so candid and, and sharing that very personal story. I, I really think it will resonate with many people who listen. Um, but what three tips, quick, three quick tips that you would give everybody? The one is, let's just go back to five minutes every day. Um, I love that. And the other one is, have some fun for Pete's sakes. Have some fun. I don't, you don't have to spend money to have fun. I take my dog to the park almost every weekend, and we go out, and I play with them, all that kind of stuff. And in, in, uh, along with that, don't take everything so seriously. Laugh. Yeah. Be silly. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've laughed quite a bit here on this show. We absolutely have. one. The third one is do something every single day to grow. That may be to read a book. It may be to talk to your children, to talk to your yeah. wife or your husband. Do something to help you grow and enhance your life and enhance everything. If you're spending time to listen to your wife or your husband or your children, I can guarantee you it's enhancing your life because you're going to learn. You're going to grow. As children teach us and yeah. our spouses teach us, and uh, listen to them. I had a man once, his name was Trapper um, uh, Trapper Woods, I believe. He was. Uh, he taught me my, my time power, um, uh, train the trainer. Um, and so he said to me that he had went through uh, years, the first 15 years of his marriage, and he finally looked at his wife and he said, you're not the same woman I married. What happened? He goes, you don't, you don't, have, you don't speak up all the time. And, and she said, you want to know why? Because I used to. And I finally just stopped because everything I said, you would dismiss it. <gasps> so wow. it broke his heart so much that he gave her permission to speak up again. And he did this, he did this self-assessment with his wife. Every, you know, every so often he'd say, honey, is there a way I can be a better husband? Wow. And they were married 50 years. He just passed away a couple of years ago. But he, uh, wow. Um, so he, you're never too old to learn, right? Is that yeah, and so he he took this as an opportunity to learn, and then he developed his relationship with his wife and grew. With Every day he spent something to grow, did something to grow in his life. So that that would be my third thing is just to do something every day to grow. 
Yeah, I and I all all great tips and they're easy enough to implement and and they can start after work today, right? That it's as simple as that. Um, Jeremy, thank you so much for being on. And yes, I'm so glad we had some laughs. And it's I am so pleased that you and I have met. And I appreciate all of the connections that you're sharing with me. You really are a tre- treasure trove of knowledge and and connections. And I, I appreciate everything you're sharing with me. Um, everyone out there, I hope today's conversation provides some some framework for you to go out and explore yourself and just explore um, the topic and make some changes in your life. Simple changes add up to, to great things. I'm going to give you Jeremy's uh, website now. I gave his email. I'll give his website. It's www.jeremymcdonald, and that's M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D, not M-A-C, so it's M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D.net. And his phone number is 813-AREA-CODE-421-2615. And don't you worry, it will all be on the Web Talk Radio link as well. Uh, Jeremy, thank you again uh, for being on the show. Much appreciated. Thank you. I hope. I really appreciate that. I enjoyed our talk. Really my pleasure. And I hope everyone will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how we can grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and realize that it really is possible. And it's so much easier than I think we we oftentimes think. Um, Jeremy, thanks for being that great guest, a great guest today for your insights and inspiration. Thank you all for joining me. You have been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thanks. Have a wonderful week. And choose something different to embrace and go and do. Have an awesome week. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I can't.